Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you today from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment. Maybe we should just shorten that and call the podcast NHTE. Joining me today from Nashville, Tennessee, via the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line, is a songwriter, performer, mentor, speaker, and all-around music business success. She has performed across the U.S., including at the famous Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, at house concerts, festivals, performing arts centers, and other venues in between. She is a past winner of Songwriter of the Year in the Virginia Sound Achievement Awards. She has released four solo albums, gaining radio airplay not only throughout the U.S., but in Australia, Canada, and Europe as well, including landing on the Gavin America charts alongside Delbert McClinton and Joan Baez. You have been hearing one of her songs, Perfect World. A warm welcome to Nancy Moran. Hey, Bruce. Thanks so much. I'm very, very honored to be here. I'm glad to have you. Um, So I just mentioned there uh, about the Virginia Sound Achievement Awards. The Richmond Times-Dispatch, Nancy, uh, in Virginia, called you, quote, nothing short of a uh, modern-day Joni Mitchell. Uh, Are comparisons like that, Nancy, good, or does it maybe make you feel like, you know, yikes, that's a legend I'm being mentioned in the same breath with. I don't know if I can live up to those standards. I just want people to like me as me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is It is a little weird. I mean, that was by far one of the biggest compliments that I've ever received. The, the whole piece that that guy did on me was based on uh, a live performance that he came to see, and I was opening for somebody else at the oh, time. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and, and, wow. and he just he gave me this one paragraph in somebody else's review. <laughs> Fantastic. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, so, you know, I struck a chord with this guy, and that's awesome. And Joni Mitchell is, you know, a huge, huge idol of mine. So it was it was an unbelievable compliment. It is a little daunting, like when I hear you repeating that back to me. It's a little <laughs> daunting, and it's, um, it's, it's hard to feel like you can live up to that. Sure, At the same sure. time, it's a totally cool thing. It's totally cool to be able to say... Well, this guy called me, you know, a modern-day Joni Mitchell. That's cool. I'll take that. Well, now, here's a little bit of a difference, though. To take it one step further, your fans have described your music as a cross between Nancy Griffith and Melissa Etheridge, uh, as well as uh, Bonnie Raitt meets Carly Simon meets Billy Joel. So lofty as those are, are those fair assessments of your sound, though? Yeah. Honestly, I, I say this all the time to... My clients and my students and and anybody that I talk to, the the best description of my music I've ever gotten, in my opinion, is the one uh, person who said I'm a cross between 
Nancy Griffith, and Melissa Etheridge. And the reason that I feel that that's accurate is um, if you know those two people, and a lot of people don't, but um, Nancy Griffith is pretty folk. And I love her, and I followed her. Um, you know, I definitely loved her music. But I'm not quite as folk as Nancy Griffith, and I never have been. And Melissa Etheridge is this great rocker chick that I also really admired. Her first album to me was just incredible. Um, and I'm not nearly as rock as Melissa Etheridge, even though I desperately want to be. <laughs> you know? Um, so to me, that's the that's the perfect description. It's like, yeah, I'm clearly down the center of those two Gotcha, people. gotcha. Well, let, let me back up. Uh, a little bit because we kind of jumped right out of the gate into your music. But as yeah. I mentioned in the intro, you have worn a lot of hats: songwriter, performer, mentor, speaker, author. You're you're doing a lot. So so yeah. if it's possible, like what percentage of your time nowadays would you say is spent on which roles? Well, right now, because um, your listeners probably don't know, but I. I toured the country with a group called the Four Bitchin' Babes for about eight years, and I and actually a couple years more than that because I substituted with them for a while too. Um, and so I, I did that for, for eight years, and it was all about music really then. Um, I did some teaching and things on the side. But since I retired from that in May of 2012, um, I really took a step back uh, when I was touring with them, I wasn't really doing a lot of my own music. It was really all about doing the group thing. Um, so since I've come off the road, I'm really focusing much more on my coaching and consulting and mentoring business. Um, I teach a lot of online programs. And my husband, who's my business partner as well, um, and runs our studio, we're really working on kind of that side of our business because what we wanted to do was get something in place um, that brings us in an income so that we can then get back to doing some music things and not and not really worry about so much about uh, expenses and things like that, if, sure, if that makes sure. any sense. Yep, yep. Well, we've got uh, listeners who have downloaded this podcast because they're musicians, they're singers, they're songwriters, um, you know, entertainers who are wanting to learn from people like yourself that have accomplished all that I've already highlighted from your resume in the short time that we've been talking. Do you encourage them to try wearing different hats as you have done, or are you more of an advocate of, no, pick whatever you're best at and stick with it? Here's the thing. My philosophy, my, my opinion is... If you really want to succeed in the music business as, as really just doing music or, or something related to that, you're going to have to wear different hats. And the reason that I say that is at any one given time, something in in those various hats that you're wearing, something isn't going to be working, you know, uh, for a while, um, live performance was kind of down and people weren't going to, to see shows and it was really hard to get gigs and blah, blah, blah. So that's not a good time necessarily to tour. It's maybe time to go back into the studio. It's maybe time to do some teaching, whatever. Um, uh, you know, uh, at some point, uh, film and TV music is, is going gangbusters. And then at other times, it's not really so much looking for songs. It's looking for instrumentals. And if you don't do that, then it's not working. So... My feeling is it's almost like an investment strategy, you know. Uh, 
investors will tell you that you have to diversify your portfolio. Well, that's kind of how I feel yeah, about a, your music. That's a good business. analogy. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I uh, just a couple of nights ago I was speaking to a, a college class, and I always tell the students, you know, don't just go into a job interview with a great resume uh, academically. You know, do something to set yourself apart so that if they're holding two resumes next to each other and all things are equal, you stand out because you know a second language or because you have design skills or whatever it is. And so you're saying that in the music business, same thing. You know, if you're Absolutely. only going to do one thing, well, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, and I, I totally understand that some people will say, well... You're giving yourself an out. So if you don't give yourself an out, you know, you're forcing yourself to make that work. And I, you're and giving I know yourself some, an out which way? By wearing a lot of hats or by only doing one thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Some people will say you're, you know, you're kind of providing yourself with a backup plan. And if you have a backup plan, you know, you might I use see. it. I see. Um, and so I know that there are some kind of big names. I think it was Bon Jovi who uh, a long time I a long time ago I heard say something about the fact that he never had a backup plan. That was that was kind of his point was he had to succeed um, hmm, because there was nothing else that he could do. I, ho- well, I hope I have the right person, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Well, but you know, in some cases, people might say, you know, that that's why there are people like Nancy Moran to go to for mentoring, or that's why there's a company like now here, this I can hire to do my you know management and promotion because they do say, you know, I'm just flat not interested in doing that, and and I'd rather. I'd rather, uh, you know, focus on my music. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining us from Nashville on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is Nancy Moran. Check her out at www.nancymoran.com, and that is just like it sounds, M-O-R-A-N. Be sure to purchase her music, too, uh, iTunes, cdbaby.com. Find her on Facebook. Uh, Make sure you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz that's H-E-A-R sign up for the newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and if you're so inclined, so moved by it, uh, we'd love for you to write a positive review on on iTunes too. So um, Nancy uh, you you mentioned there um, that for eight years and and maybe even a little more you were part of the group in case you missed it listeners, yes she was part of a group called the Four Bitchin' Babes uh, (laughs) which at times even had um, special substitute appearances by uh, Janice Ian. So you sound like you have had a lot of fun. Um, we've established that you've had a lot of success. You've been diverse, I just mentioned, in, in what you've accomplished. So I know this didn't all come easy to you, though. What what kind of encouragement do you have for the downtrodden performers who are out there you know, teetering yeah. on the edge of, it's not worth it, I don't think I'm meant for this business? Well, here's the thing. Um, it's been my experience anyway when I've been in one of those spells, and I totally have been there. I mean, to be all honest with you, in 1998, I absolutely positively quit the music business. Wow. That, that was, no, I really did. I, I said, that's it. Um, I had an absolutely horrible year, and I was crying a lot and just really miserable. Wow. <laughs> and I, I said to Fett, uh, who's my husband, I, I said, you know, uh, why am I doing this? If music isn't fun anymore, then why the hell am I doing this? I can go get a day job that'll certainly pay me more money, you know? So um, I, I quit. And quitting was the best thing that I ever did because it allowed me, I think I had really gotten off track as to why I was doing music. I had really lost touch 
with myself and, and my music and my creativity and just a whole bunch of things. And quitting allowed me to really, really take a step back. And, and I mean, for, you know, a whole year, I didn't do anything even remotely to do with music. I didn't listen to music. I mean, I was really, really over it. Um, Unreal. Yeah, it is. But I, I tell people this story a lot. It really was the best thing that I ever did. Mm. So what I want to say is um, sometimes you have to take a, a step back. And what I really want to say, though, is you're not alone. This is to be expected. This is part of the journey. So it's not, yes, I know it feels miserable, but you have to find a way to just sort of get through it. And there is another side um, to the music. And it's it has nothing to do with your qualifications or your talent or mm-hmm. anything. Um, I mean, I know... I know so many people that I would consider to be way more talented than than myself. And they've been dropped from labels Mm. and they've been dropped from their publishing deal. And, you know, they've been they've been in a really, really bad position because they haven't really known anything else. And so I, I really I guess what I'm saying is. It, this is part of the gig. This is part of what happens. And so do what you need to do at that time. If if it's really miserable, take a step back. Go do something else for a while. Get back in touch with your creativity. Get back in touch with your music. Sometimes you need to just like, sometimes you just have to say, screw the music. Uh, I mean, screw the, sorry, screw the music business. And just get back to playing music, you know, go play some open mics for the hell of it, for fun. Get together with your friends and play a bunch of cover tunes. Yeah, and take really, the pressure off yourself. Yeah, totally. You know, because it's I find that it's not music that is the problem ever. It's the business of music and the the pressure of having to succeed or what we perceive of where we need to be. Right. Does right. that make sense? Yep. Yep. And we'll and we'll talk a little bit more about about the business um, in, in, a little later on in the interview. In the meantime, Nancy, you've authored several books. You were the assistant editor at American Songwriter Magazine. Uh, I did just mention the Four Bitchin' Babes. You've done mentoring. Uh, you've been a songwriter. Is it possible to single out one accomplishment in all of the endeavors throughout your music career that you would say is your number one highlight? Wow. Oh my gosh. Um And 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 maybe the answer is is no Bruce it's not. I don't think it is. It's it, not possible. I mean not, let's let's just say that nothing is jumping to mind right this second. I mean everything has gosh, I, I just I can't think of one thing. You, you know, I know at certain times there are things that are big and thrilling. Um, and then they get replaced by other big and thrilling <laughs> uh scenarios. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, I I enjoy pretty much all that I do, and for different reasons. You know, like I I love performing. That's totally where I that's totally where I get my rocks off. I just you know I love being on a stage and in the spotlight, and I don't understand people who don't want to be there. <laughs> like, like like my husband who you know wants to be in the background, and I'm like, you're kidding, really? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, teaching is the same way to me. Um, and it's a different kind of performance, and I get a different kind of thrill. Like, there's nothing better to me than, like, watching the light bulb go on over someone's head. 
when I'm having mm. a conversation with them or when I'm, yeah. you know, in a class and it's like they, they get it. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's that is like completely cool. Um, you know, helping someone through their career uh, and seeing them succeed. It, it's funny because you'd think that would be kind of in conflict. Like if I'm the one who wants to be in the spotlight, that you wouldn't think that I would also get a thrill out of seeing someone else succeed. But I do. It's it's just a weird thing. And No, it's a, you know, I think that's a statement. I think at some point that that becomes a statement on who you are as a person uh and and then it just obviously carries over into your business so yeah. um i i guess i would say it's not entirely surprising but that just means that you and i are cut from the same cloth because uh you know certainly there are people out there that that you're um indirectly referring to you know who don't want that yeah they just want it for themselves yeah although i also sometimes think it's an age thing um i think when i was younger and i didn't have the experience First of all, I didn't think that I was qualified to teach anybody anything. And and, I, and to be honest, sometimes even now, I, I think, why are they listening to me? You know, <laughs> we, <laughs> we all kind of have that inferiority complex, I think, if you're creative people. Um, but I also think that when you're younger, um, you do kind of think it's all about you. And I don't even mean that in the egotistical way that it probably sounds. I just... I just think it's an age thing. I think it's a maturity thing. And well, and I think getting back to what you mentioned before about about the expectations uh, that that people perceive being out there for the business at that younger age, it's not an ego thing. It's just well, I'm supposed to succeed, and I'm supposed to be good enough where I'm really basking in the spotlight. Exactly. I, I think. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's just their dream, and they think this is what they're supposed to do, and that's what they're doing, and that that's exactly how I mean it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the one mistake that you think is made the most by musical acts that are trying to manage themselves, book themselves, promote themselves these days? What's the one the one biggest mistake? I think the biggest mistake is that they don't treat it like a business, that they think, um, they think they're going to be rescued by someone like a record label or a manager or, or even a booking agent, you know? I, it's always amusing to me, uh, the people that I teach <laughs> especially in my booking class since that's what we're talking about in the class um you know everybody wants a booking agent because they don't want to do the booking themselves which i totally get i i don't want to do my own booking either who wants to do that it yeah. sucks you know um but they all think that they're going to get this booking agent and they're magically going to get all of these great huge enormous gigs that pay them thousands of dollars that they couldn't get on their own it doesn't right. it doesn't work that way. You know, it all works together and even if you have a booking agent, you're still going to have to do so much of the work on your own and I don't think people get that. I think that's the mistake that they make is that they think these other people are going to take take a bunch of this shit from them and all they're going to have to do ever again is show up and do the gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and immediately get booked into uh, you know sixteen thousand seat arenas. They they really do. They they just think it's going to be magical or something, and it's that's just not how it works. It just isn't. Well, the but you know the 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 flip side to that, so as to not discourage uh, the listeners that 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 might be um, a description of, you know, is that um, you do want to, as Nancy's saying, work together, because as I always tell. Uh, current and, and potential now here this clients um 
you know, what you do want to do is work together to build the story. That way that that way the person who is booking you has a story that they can tell and it's not just based on your sound. Absolutely. Plus, you you don't ever want to just hand your career over to somebody else because there's gobs of stories. Lots of famous people have just been, you know, screwed over by unscrupulous people and people that they trusted at some point. So, you just never want to you never want to completely hand over control. You you are always going to have to be working on your career, always. And it's it's always going to entail something more than just getting on the stage and playing. I mean, when I traveled with the with the babes, we used to say, we don't get paid for being on stage because that's the easy part. It's like two hours a night, big deal. And we would do that for six hours a night if they would let us. You know, that's the easiest part of the job. They paid us for flying. They paid us for driving in a car. They paid us for lugging our own equipment. They paid us for being away from home. They paid us for all of the other stuff. They paid us for getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning to get on a radio show to do the promotion. They, you know, they, they, we got paid for doing all the other stuff that's involved. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and those, are, those are valid and interesting points that you're making. I just want to make sure that people understood the first one that Nancy said, they're paying us to get on airplanes, she doesn't literally mean that they were paying their airfare. She's no. just saying the time that you invest, <laughs> right. you know, and, and the money that you take out of your own pocket to get on those airplanes. A- absolutely. And and also, it was kind of funny when I was with that group, people used to think I had like the cushiest gig ever because we flew to our gigs. They're like, wow, man, you like, you fly on airplanes and you're jet set and you fly to all your gigs. Well, first of all, we didn't fly to all of our gigs. We would fly to the first gig. We we mostly did long weekends. We never went out really for like a month at a time or anything like that. So we would fly to the first location, rent a minivan, and then we would drive in between two or three gigs and then fly home from the last site. And even that, to a lot of people, sounds very exciting and glamorous. And trust me, trust me on this, it is not glamorous, especially now. Uh, flying is time-consuming, and it takes a real toll on your body. Um, and it's just not its not as fun as everybody thinks that it is. Yeah, until you're Mariah Carey and you have your own private jet and you know can more or less uh, get off the jet, go and do the show and walk off stage and get back on the jet, right. um, there, there really is not that glamour. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's Bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, providing a tip for the listeners who are singers, songwriters, entertainers, performers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it in the business. Today's tip is regarding Facebook. If you are going to create an event on Facebook and blast it out as an event evite, be careful. Not all of your recipients might be in your area, and doing this repetitively may turn off a lot of people, especially if they are influential in terms of fans that will fill up the venue for you, or influential music people who might get turned off and start ignoring future Facebook event invitations. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. Um... I know you are. Uh, I, I'm plugged your website uh, once so far, and had intended to continue doing it. But yeah. um, I know you are actually getting ready to launch a completely new 
nancymoran.com. Despite all your achievements, <laughs> I, I know you're still pretty much a do-it-yourselfer. Is even something like you doing your own website, um, or I should say, is even someone like you doing your own website, or, or how is how is that coming together? How involved are you or aren't you? Yeah, I'm I'm it. It's it's me and my husband and we're we're working toward as part of the reason why I stepped back off of the road and, and haven't like gone out on my own tour. Um, we really wanna we really wanna get the business to the point where we can bring on other people to do some of these things that we don't really wanna do. But I've always I don't know, it's just the way that I've always worked. I've always been that uh, DIY indie kind of girl. I like to say I was indie before indie was cool because um, because I was really you know a lot of people weren't doing it back then now everybody's doing it um, and I'm I'm incredibly involved in everything you know I'm about to I haven't really changed my website in a while I'll just tell your listeners that if you go to it now this will be a great little educational piece for you <laughs> go go to my website now and see what it looks like and then you know check back in a month or so. I'm actually going to move my website to Bamzoogle. I love the guys mm. over there. I think they're really great. I think they provide a fabulous service, and they make it really easy. Um, and so, you know, on the one hand, I don't really want to have anything to do with my website, and I wish somebody else would take it over. But I also actually remember the days when you had to hire somebody because there weren't services like Bamzoogle. And that had its issues, too, because then you're contacting somebody else to – add your new dates and it took too long and so on and so forth. And I see I see all of this stuff as a really positive thing for people nowadays. You really can have control over everything in your business. Um, and it's, it's pretty easy when you're using a service like Banzoogle or even WordPress if you want to get into something like WordPress. Um, it's really easy, to be honest. And you can get in there every day and make a blog post and update your calendar and add pictures and videos and it's just you know they make it really easy for you so it can well you know and i i think what you're also doing is is you're kind of testifying to what you just said about the babes that that people had this perception that you know well you've made it to the big time now nancy <laughs> look at you you're flying to your gigs you know so with that with that comes uh the conclusion that people draw which is she must be making all kinds of money doing this and and if you had made a boatload of cash uh, with all the time you spent with the babes, then clearly you would be hiring a web developer yeah. uh, to to do your new website for you and not doing it yourself. Yeah, here here's the thing that I've learned the hard way, along with all the other things that I've <laughs> learned the hard way in my career. Um, there is very very little difference between the people at the top and the people at the bottom, and we all think that there's a big huge difference, but there really isn't, and. The people that I've come into contact with at quote unquote the top um, are doing a lot of the stuff themselves. Um, they're they're just as insecure as I am or as my friends are. Um, they they just they have all of the same kind of issues. You know, I literally was just talking with a client of mine last night who. I think she's pretty huge. She just got off tour last year. She was on tour with Steve Vai. Mm, wow. I think that's pretty huge. She's Yeah, that's a big name. She's done all of these uh, shows, her own shows, with all these symphony orchestras all over the, the U.S. She's an electric heart player, and she's incredible. And yet mm. um, she <laughs> she still doesn't think like, 
she she still had the mentality that like she hasn't made it like she you know she hasn't gotten wow. there right? wow. and i was like what you're kidding me you know but that's my point is we all sort of have this idea of what that should look like when we quote get there and i think what i've really learned is there is no getting there you, you never get there because once you get up to a level higher than where you are right now then your ideals change and you see the possibilities of what's above that and, and you shoot for something more. And then you get there and, and you see more possibilities and you shoot for something more. And you're you're always wanting to improve. And I, I think that's a great thing. I think you should always be striving to just doing something better than your last record or your last tour or your last whatever. Just always striving for improvement. And to me, that's what success really is. It has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with record sales. So lo and behold, we've already in the early stages of the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast reached a new height. We we now have an inspiration for uh, electric harp players everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm telling uh, you. Is, is there a big goal of yours out there that, that you're still aiming to achieve? Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um yeah, I have I, I have constantly have goals. I still want to do my own touring with, with my husband. I I'd still like to sell um, some music. I'd like to actually get into film and TV music. I haven't focused on that because it takes so much time to do it, and I haven't had the time to do it. Um, I'd love to have my songs performed by somebody else. Um, you know. Yeah, I have I have goals all the time. I, I could do a whole podcast just on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's just go back to the one about film and TV because because that's the big buzz in the industry right now. Everybody wants to get their songs in film and TV. And, and P.S. They think that nobody else has thought of it, which <laughs> which it just kills me. Just kills me. So so when you say that. Um, to talk to those people out there who are going, oh, I'm trying to do the same thing. Did, are you talking about um, you just want to write some songs for placement in film and TV, or you actually want to physically get them in there? You actually want to you actually want to pitch them? No, I don't. Or I don't, both, or maybe both. I, I don't personally want to be the person who who pitches them. I think there is a lot of I, I, that's just uh, that's just a learning curve. I don't want to go on. Um, and there's lots of places that will do it for you. Here's the thing about film and TV. I actually, even though I haven't done it myself, I actually know quite a bit about it because I go to the Taxi Road Rally every year. Um, if you're not familiar with Taxi.com, they they are um, they're kind of the first one. There's a lot of people who do what they do now, but to me, they were the first. Um, they're kind of the middleman. They'll they'll listen to your music and try to pair you uh, with the other people in the industry that are looking for music. That's a very simplistic way of saying it. Go to taxi.com and figure them out. <laughs> um, but I, I think incredibly... Do they do they enter offer code Nancy in the in the box so that you get some kind of a kickback on that? They don't, but they, they should. Michael Lasko, who's the, the president, knows me very well, and he knows that I talk about all the time. Um, but besides that, I um, we actually have a little group that gathers at, at our house once a month um, who are mostly taxi composers, um, and I just, I know quite a few people, um, myself who are making their living by writing music for film and TV. Now, in most cases, I will say that most of those people are writing instrumental music. 
They're not writing songs. Some of them mm-hmm. are, but songs are like a different kind of placement altogether. Um, but they're writing like instrumental cues. Here's the thing, though. Because everyone has suddenly discovered film and TV music, and really it's because the sup- music supervisors have discovered indie artists and, and how hungry we are, um, mm-hmm. Uh, the the amount of money that you get for those placements has decreased significantly, at least what you get up front. So mm-hmm. it's a numbers game. It's about doing lots and lots and lots and lots of them, and eventually those are working for you over and over and over again, and your royalties go up. Um, you know, right. hopefully things go right. to syndication, and you're getting paid for those over and over again. So, yeah. um, like anything else in the music business. And maybe this is like the whole point of everything we're going to say today. I think, I think musicians and artists are often looking for the quick hit. You know, that's what they think the major label is going to be. It's going to be that quick hit to fame. They think mm-hmm. film and TV is going to be a quick hit to whatever. You know, yeah. they're looking for a quick hit to make them lots of money, to give them lots of notoriety or something like that. And I, I'm, I'm, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm going to just lay it out for you here. There is no quick hit. Yeah, they think that uh, all they got to do is get one song placed in a movie, and immediately they will become uh, the next Kelly Clarkson. And, and uh, you are you are here today to say no. I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I am Bruce. Go ahead. No, I just I want to say you know I hate to be that you know voice of reality, but. <laughs> Because <laughs> nobody likes <laughs> nobody likes to hear that, you know. People want me to say it's going to be this easy, um, but I find that the reality check, when you know the reality of the situation, I actually find that freeing. Because the other side of what I was just saying is, it is possible, though, and and I can talk to you about ways that it is possible for you to make a living doing music if that's what you really want to do. All right, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining us from Nashville on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is Nancy Moran. Check her out at the soon-to-be-revamped nancymoran.com, but as she just said moments ago, check it out now anyways. And that is Nancy Moran, M-O-R-A-N. Be sure to purchase her music, too. iTunes, cdbaby.com are great places to start. Feel free to find her on Facebook, and make sure you're also checking out www dot now hear this dot biz that's h e a r for the spelling challenge as i've come to be comfortable with saying on this podcast sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast nancy you are in nashville and you do mentoring but there is lots of competition there for sure so you definitely need to make yourself stand out that's the, that's the same challenge for artists you know be be they there in music city or or anywhere do you have any kind of a good rule to follow to set oneself apart but but without being over the too over the top and a nuisance yeah i don't i don't know that i have like one rule of thumb uh, i mean like as far as myself here in nashville the odd thing is i live here in nashville and i'm um I'm really incredibly glad that we're living here in Nashville and we're surrounded by this incredible music community. But I do very little of my own business here in Nashville. I mm. I mostly don't work with Nashville artists. I'm not a country music artist myself. Um, most of my business comes from people outside of Nashville, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, Interesting. In a good way, though. Um, so really, it's about... 
it's it's really about trying to just find what is unique about you and what would make someone want to come see you. I mean, from an artist perspective, you know, and I try to tell people, think about what what interests you, what makes you get up off the couch and go downtown or wherever it is that you go in your town to listen to music. What will make you stop watching something on TV, you know, to get out of the house and go listen to music? What is it about that particular artist? Is it always somebody that you know? Well, if that's the case, then you've got to find a way of, of you know, growing your audience first and getting them to come see you because they know you, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, and, and, and then... And then the problem is, you know, okay, well, then how do you grow an audience without getting them to come to a show? And, you know, a lot of people think that that's the only way to grow your audience is that you you go out and you perform and people come to your shows. And that's a great way to do it. Um, But with social media and being online and all these other areas with film and TV and the things we've just talked about, um, there's lots and lots of other ways to kind of get noticed and get people to know you. I mean, there's, there's even things that have nothing to do with music. There's a whole blogging industry where people blog and people will find your blog because of what you're saying and then eventually notice, oh, wow, they're a musician and find your music. And, you know, lots of people have created careers like that. Well, but let me put you on the spot a little bit, though. And, and for the listeners who, who hopefully uh, have downloaded uh, previous versions of this podcast, previous shows, uh, rest assured, listeners, my pledge is uh, this podcast will not become repetitive um, and and be all about but uh, be all about Nashville, but but only because Nancy is is there and she just touched upon something. Nancy, I want to put you on the spot and ask you this: People come to Nashville, um, you know, young up and coming musicians, and as they're developing. Uh, they are being given that advice, you know, from from the now here. This is of the world, and the Nancy Morans of the world saying, you know, go to Nashville, be humble, you know, leave your ego back at home, um, you know, listen, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Which one do you think He intended you to use more? Um, but but when they do go there, they they do need to do something uh, to stand out when when they're on stage, um, you know, because that that's the whole reason they came to Nashville. They whether it's true or not, they think that they're going to get discovered there. So yeah. So all the social media and the blogging and all that stuff aside, what can they do on stage that's going to make them stand out, but not be obnoxious and not be over the top? Well, what? because you mentioned about what would get you off the couch. Well, yeah. if you're asking that to a young musician, I think he or she would say. My music, because my music is great, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not... Well, and that's, and that's only said, you know, half sarcastically, right. which means I'm half serious, that, you know, they, they have some confidence and say, well, oh, I'd go listen to me. Right. Well, of course you would. <laughs> right. Well, um, I, I actually think that, for, first of all, I just I have so many thoughts from <laughs> everything you just said. <laughs> um, first of all, I do not suggest people, especially in the beginning of their careers, I don't necessarily suggest that you suddenly pick yourself up and move to Nashville because it's a lot harder to get noticed in Nashville or LA or New York, any of the major towns, because there are so many people here doing the same thing. So you're no longer somebody special. 
you're just one of hundreds or thousands of people doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, si- sitting at a, sitting at a writer's night that's going to go on right. the next night, and it's going on down the street, and it's going down, it's going on around the block. Exactly. So, um, so that that's the first thing I want to say is that I don't necessarily suggest that. I think it's um, a lot easier actually to become a big fish in your own hometown and then work your way out regionally and develop a regional following and you will get noticed that way because the industry does look for who's rising up in the in the regions across the country who's who's got the buzz going you know that elusive word buzz but they do actually pay attention um yeah and it gets back to what to what i mentioned before about having that success story to tell if you go to nashville and you say oh i haven't really done anything yet but i know i'm going to make it i know i'm going to make a lot of noise here it's like well (laughs) everybody that comes here thinks that what have you done so far you know and if you have that success story from your hometown or from your region then you know i i I certainly agree with you yeah um all right but that but that being said all right. So how how do you make a, how do you make a splash? Well, I actually think that the way that you make a splash is is that you don't just get on stage and sing your songs because that's what most people do. They just get on stage and they stand in front of a microphone and they sing their songs and they assume that their songs are going to blow people away so much so that they're going to bring 10 of their friends back the next day and, (laughs) you know, and come see them four times this month, you know. And even for songs that are really great, that doesn't, I I don't, I don't get that excited. I get excited for that one time, go, that was a really great song, but it's not really enough. What what really I think motivates people is a good show. Um, I took a a class uh, once by Tom Jackson, who's an unbelievable performance coach he's kind of the guru here in nashville and um i thought he was the guy from espn that used to play for the denver broncos so i'm glad you clarified okay that. <laughs> not a sports girl so i wouldn't know that <laughs> um, but uh he quoted and this is really i think kind of taken from just some general communications studies but his point is that when uh people are viewing a concert um, they get, and I'm going to get the percentages wrong probably, but it's something like, uh, you know, 15% is what they hear. So the the lyrics, in essence, or the, you know, the song itself. Mm-hmm. Um, 20% is the emotion or the tone behind mm. the song. And 55%, if I, wow. I don't know if I wow. did that. I, I think I'm off on my percentages, but I know it's 55% is what they see. Wow. And if you think about it, if you really are honest with yourself and you think about it, you know, think about the best show you've ever seen. Was it, you know, a big concert and what about that concert really grabbed your attention? It was probably something that they did on stage. Now, well, and listen listen to the word that you used. What's the best concert you've ever seen? seen. Not heard, right. not what's the best country you've ever heard, seen. So people, you're right, people are going to say, oh my gosh, I went to see Rush and they have the best light show right. in the business and I love seeing their live show because they do this and they do, oh, and then they had all these cool things on stage, right. you know, and Getty was jumping around with his bass and stuff like that. So so you're right, you know, there's there's ways to stand out. Um, and, and, and again, it's, it's you know, not a way that has to be over the top. No. It's, still, in, in, um, it's still acceptable in, in that context. In, in fact, you know, what I, what I get a lot of times from people is that 
yeah, but, you know, I don't have a band. I'm, it's just me, and I'm just playing at this coffee house, you know, and I'm not going to, like... Doesn't matter. If you, But if you jump around, it looks ridiculous. Okay? Yeah. Um, and you don't need a light show. But the point <laughs> is, you but can have <laughs> some emotion in, in the way that you perform. I mean, yep. my husband and I, when we were just really starting out back in the Washington, D.C. area, and we were literally just playing, like, open mics and stuff, you know, and they were folk open mics, for that, for that matter. Um when the two of us play together, we, we move, you know, I, I tap my feet, yeah, I move my yeah. legs, I move my yep. body to the music, we look at each other, you know, we actually move. And it was always really funny to me that uh, we like immediately got described as the dynamic duo, you know, we, we always <laughs> described our performance as dynamic or yeah, back up, back up. These two, these two move around a lot, and that's and that's good. That's that's a that's a that's a compliment. But you know, I want to, uh, and we're we're in the home stretch okay. here. Um, just a couple more questions, but I, I want to. I told you you'd get have your to like, opinion. You'd have to shut me up today. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the 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 music business is under a lot of scrutiny. Um, you know, there's there's certainly a lot of opinions out there nowadays. What what is your philosophy as an as an indie artist? Well. You know, I, I hear everybody moaning and groaning about where the industry is going and, oh, woe is me, uh, you know, nobody buys CDs anymore and, and woe is me, um, no, everybody's downloading stuff for free and all that stuff. You know, my feeling is that, so what? Um, things are going to change. They're always going to change, you know. Uh, I mean, we used to... Oh, wow, I'm not showing my age. But, you know, we used to have LPs and everything went to CDs, <laughs> you, you know, and that was a big deal when everybody had to change their format, you know. So the industry is always going to be changing. If if you are expecting it to stay stagnant for the rest of your life, I would really suggest that you don't do this for a business because one thing that you need to get used to is that the music business is constantly going to be changing. Um, so I don't look at all the woe is me stuff. I see it as such an incredible opportunity because there are so many more ways that you can get your music directly to the fan. You don't have to wait for that record label to deem you mm. worthy anymore. Wow. Well said. You don't have to wow. wait for a gatekeeper to pass your music off to, you know, the big wig person to say, yeah, we're going to do this for you. You can just go do it. And I think that's incredibly empowering. And I hate that word empowering because it really gets overused. But in this case, it's accurate. <laughs> um, well, it is. And, and I like that you said that, that basically it does boil down to the fact that you have a choice. You know, you can either get sucked in and, and decide, you know, hang my head and, and oh, this business is, is a giant. You know, this this business is Goliath and I'm David and I'm not going to slay him. Or you can you can choose to turn it into an opportunity and say it doesn't matter because I'm I'm the one that's in control here and there are all these all these different things right. that I can do. I I know that um, you you find yourself working with a lot of what you call second timers. <laughs> what 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 is it? What is a second timer? Well, a second timer, um, in our opinion, is somebody who put their career on hold. They put their music on hold. They ha- they got married and they had a family or or they had another career and they actually liked their career and their career was making them a lot of money and, um, or, or something. They just had something else going on in their life that took their attention and they had to make a decision at some point and they put their music away. And now they're at a different point in their life. Maybe the kids have gone to college and they're empty nesters um, or 
they're tired of that career and they're looking for something that's maybe a little more fulfilling or whatever. Whatever the reason is that they got there, they're rediscovering their music and they're rediscovering the passion for their music. And, you know, they want to make records and they want to go on the road and they want to get their music out to an audience. And those are the types of people that we work a lot with. And that's what's so great about the industry right now is because there is potential, you know, it doesn't matter that you're 50 years old anymore. You don't have to be 14 for the record label. You know, who, who cares if you're 50 years old? I, I promise you that there's an audience out there for you. It's just a matter of you finding them. Yeah, and that's and that's what I was thinking as as you were saying that is is how boy that that ties into her last answer so perfectly that you could sit at home and say, well, it's too late for me now. I missed the boat. I mean, gosh, look at look at the shape that the industry is in, and then you hang your head and you go back to your nine to five and you have no one to blame but yourself, or you say, hey, it's an opportunity. Right. You know, the kids have the kids have moved out, right. and I can publish my own. I can do my own music. You know, whether it's just you know putting it up on on CD Baby or whatever it is, uh, there are outlets there, and and of course it also gets back to something that I mentioned on a, on a previous podcast, which is defining you know your own level of success, and right. and if you can define that and reach it uh, despite being a second timer, then that's great. You know, then then you've been able to accomplish something that you otherwise would have said. I wonder if I would have ever tried to get back into music if if I could have done anything with it. Right. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people. Um, Probably the biggest phrase that I hear from from people, aspiring musicians, I would call them, um, is I just want to get my music out there. I just I just want to get my music out there. Well, what does that mean exactly to you? Because I mm. I think the the other thing that's happened in the industry is it used to be that you had to have this big major machinery behind you, and there were stars, and then and there were amateurs. And now what I see is there are actually fewer stars and there are an awful lot of professional musicians making a living doing music. Now, they may not be making millions of dollars. So is that what you really wanted? Did you really want the fame and the millions or do you really want your music to be out there to the the people who really need to hear it? Because if that's what you want, that is completely doable and in a, in a big way and I don't mean that you need to be a pauper you don't need to make $25,000 a year you can make six figures doing music it's probably going to be maybe more work than you think you know because it's not going to be someone tapping you on the shoulder and waving a magic wand uh, <laughs> but but it is doable and that's what I find exciting about right now is Really, truly, anyone can do it. It doesn't matter your age, your weight, your gender, your whatever, you know? Yeah, nicely said, nicely said. I, I, I have to agree. Nancy, um, we're, we're going to wrap up, but you've, you've got a lot to offer. What, what's the best way for, for people to contact you? Um, you know, find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nancy Moran, um, or go to my website, nancymoran.com, and my email is, is there. Uh, it's really easy to find. I'm very, I'm very approachable, although I will say, if you send me an email and I don't respond in five minutes, give me a chance, you know? <laughs> give, give me a, a few days days anyway to respond because sometimes I'm out of town or I'm just really busy at the moment. But I am reachable um, and sometimes Facebook for that reason is the best way to kind of catch me online. Um, And, you know, find me, reach out to me and I, I would love to talk. That's good, and that's and that's a great uh, lesson right there. That 
that people are actually, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter and some of these social media, um, you know, catch a bad rep, uh, and sometimes deservedly so, but but it's a nice testimony to hear uh, from Nancy that uh, that you can actually, quote-unquote, conduct business uh, via Facebook. So um, interesting to hear you put yourself out there in, in that respect that that the listeners uh, to now hear this entertainment can can find you on there and, and, and reach out. Uh, I want to thank uh, my guest very much, Nancy Moran. Be sure to check her out at nancymoran.com. Like she said, the invitation is there to look at it now, depending on when you've downloaded and listened to this podcast versus uh, what it will be uh, when she shifts over to Bandzoogle. Uh, don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Uh, A great review on on iTunes would be splendid. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from today's guest, Nancy Moran. This is from her days with the four bitchin' babes. This is called Unconditional Love. I wish you joy The kind you only get from knowing You have touched somebody else I wish you peace And that feeling of contentment When you remove all the resentment from your life I wish you joy, I wish you peace I wish you more than you will need I wish you unconditional love I wish you hope It keeps you looking toward tomorrow And away from yesterday I wish you faith In yourself and all humanity We will finally live as one I wish you joy I wish you peace I wish you more than you will need I wish you unconditional love I'm a dreamer and I know it So I hope your dreams come true You believe in the impossible Everything's possible I wish you kindness From every neighbor, friend, and stranger And may it always be your way I wish you love Kind that doesn't need a reason No apologies or pleasing It's just because I wish you joy I wish you peace I wish you more than you will need I wish you unconditional love dreamer and proud of it so I hope your dreams come true when you believe in the impossible everything's possible for you I wish you joy the kind you only get from knowing you have loved somebody else I wish you love the kind that doesn't need a reason no apologies or pleasing, it's just because I wish you joy, I wish you peace I wish you more than you will need I wish you unconditional love I 
wish you joy, I wish you peace, I wish you more than you will ever need. I wish you 